The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. And we are also joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Joe and Taryn, no Flyers games this week. All four games officially wiped out uh, with last night's postponement. Uh, Last night's postponement was of Sunday's game against the Rangers up at Madison Square Garden. Valentine's Day, that game was postponed, making all floors, all four Flyers games done for this week uh, because of COVID protocols. Uh, the two games on Thursday and Saturday were home games against the Devils. They were postponed at the start of the week because the Devils had at one point 19 players on the COVID protocol list. And then Tuesday's game and Sunday's game were more about the Flyers situation uh, as they have three players on the COVID protocol list entering Thursday. I feel like Sunday's game was not outside the realm of possibility for being played, but it sounds like the NHL was not going to mess around. They played it safe. Good for them. Taryn, do you feel like that was the right call? And what did you make of all the postponements this week? Uh, Postponements are wild, but I kind of think we discussed this a little bit on the last show. Um, Every league really saw it. I know the NFL didn't uh, quite to the same extent, but they're also seeing so many fewer teams, so many fewer times that I don't really think that's a fair comparison. Um, but I think we knew this was going to happen at some point, and it, it's always been about how the NHL adjusts. So everybody kind of freaking out, like, how are they going to finish the season and this, that, and the next thing. I think everyone knew at some point some some variation of, you know, a, a controlled outbreak would happen. Um and it's all about how they respond now. That being said, I think the, the call to postpone Saturday's game was probably the right move because the last thing you want to do is have the Flyers go there and a few guys who haven't tested positive yet test positive. And then now you have to impact the Rangers' whole schedule even more, as well as the Flyers' schedule even more, um, because it reverberates and it affects all the other teams as well. Um, so, you know, I'm not – uh, it, it stinks and obviously it sucks. Um, but that's the, like, this is the world we're living in and no one has the right answer. And everybody who thinks that they have like the solve the equation, poof, it's answered kind of a, you know, response to the question doesn't know what's going on because the league has hired a ton of epidemiologists. Every league has, they've paid them a ton of money. They're the foremost people in their field and this is the best that they can do. And so they're adjusting accordingly. Um, but I think this was always bound to happen. I said it on Twitter and I'll say it again. I don't think a bubble could ever have happened. I, it's unfair. It's completely unfair to the team and to their families more specifically. Um, so I don't think the bubble is the answer. I don't think you could do it for 56 games. This was just, you know, this is part of trying to entertain people in 2021. I mean, this, 
these players, I think, want to play. And, of course, they want to get paid to play and everything else. But part of it is, is we want to watch. We want these – we want to see these leagues play. And when, you know, you sit down and watch a game and you endorse the sport and the team and the NHLPA and the NHL decide to play and they come to terms on an agreement of what the rules and ramifications around COVID protocols are going to be, you all kind of accept the fact that you – are willingly participating in this possibly happening and it happened and now it's all about how everybody responds and i think you know calling postponing sunday's game was the best response at this point this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yeah, there's times where it can be frustrating when you see people spouting out, well, shut it down, uh, cut games, or no, you should be playing, play. Like, it's just like, yeah, we don't know. And the NHL, like you said, Taryn has all the experts, all the medical people, um, giving them the guidance and the, and the right advice. Uh, I trust them to make the right decisions. And right now I think they're just trying to nip everything in the bud, uh, not let things get worse. And that's how you have to do it. You have to react and take it day by day. Um, I think that's the way they're doing it. I think they're doing it fine. I don't know if they're going to have to trim games. I don't know if they're going to have to shorten the season. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I think they'll make the right call. Uh, Joe, what did you make of it? Do you feel like this season eventually will be shortened uh, from 56 games to a lesser number? What do you think? Well, I think you're gonna. I, I think you're gonna have teams not playing equal amounts of games. I think that's clear at this point because how many Devils games have been missed? There's no way they're going to be playing out the string of games, and as well as several other teams in the West, Colorado has missed a ton of games. And let's. I, I, I think we. There's one other factor here that hasn't been brought up. I think the NHL is trying to save this, this Tahoe weekend. Uh, right now you have Colorado and the Flyers both shut down with COVID. That's a team in each of the Tahoe games that are out of the mix right now. So I, I think that may have had something to do with I, – I mean, I'm speculating, obviously. No inside information about this. But I think that – might have had something to do with why they canceled or postponed Sunday's game so early is that the following weekend is Tahoe and they need to make sure that is good to go. It's a big event set up by the league. Um, you know, who knows how much money has gone into it. And, uh, you know, as we've seen, a, a lot of this stuff in sports is driven by money and that's a big event that's driven by money. And I, you know, the league wants a showcase event. They don't want that ruined by COVID. And as far you know, you see this in all the other sports. Like I just was reading in Australia, the Australian opens going on right now. Australia is almost completely rid of COVID. And there was an outbreak at a hotel that's near where some of the players are staying. This is in a, this is in a, a place where there's almost none of COVID left and they've had an outbreak. So this is possible and it's unpredictable and until everybody gets a vaccine and there's a way to trace who has and hasn't had the vaccine, I think this is what you're going to get. And, you know, it's up to the individual leagues to act appropriately. And I think at this point, you know, 
over the last year, all of these entities have learned a lot. And I think consistently across the board, you want to be overcautious as opposed to undercautious. And I think that's what um, the NHL and every other league, frankly, is doing. Yeah, better safe than sorry. And, Joe, I think you're right. I think Sunday's postponement uh, had a ton to do with the Tahoe game. If you think about it, last Sunday's game against the Capitals, that game was still played. The Capitals had three players out because of COVID protocol. The Flyers had a player enter COVID protocol the day of, um, and that game was still able to be played. Uh, The Flyers last night on Wednesday did not have a new player on COVID protocol. So they have three out going back to Tuesday. Uh, that this next game's not until Sunday. I think it they could have played it, but they did not want to risk anything, especially with an event as big as the Tahoe event coming up. And now you look at it, the Flyers are expected to practice uh, for the first time on Monday, next Monday. They don't play another game until next Thursday, and then the Tahoe game is Sunday. It just allows a lot of time for for different things to possibly happen and and the ability to react. Taryn, as far as the layoff, uh, the Flyers' obviously last game was Sunday. They won't play again until next Thursday. Uh, Do you feel like this could be good for the team? How do you think the team will react to this? Well, uh, their last last really long layoff was before the start of the season, and the last really long layoff before that was before the bubble. I know 10 days doesn't really compare to that, but they um, didn't really look great in either of those situations to start things off. you know, I'm kind of bummed, honestly, because I, I think that we started to see them get parts of their game back. Um, that Caps game was, like, a hot mess. I, I But there were, like, flickers of positives that we haven't seen them really have in games prior, or at least not in too many games prior. Um, and that second loss to the Bruins, I thought, I know we discussed this on the last pod, was a lot better than a lot of their wins in terms of stylistically how they played. So I was, I was a little bit, you know, you totally understand why, but I was a little bit bummed um, that they're going to have such a long layoff just because, you know, there's certain things that I thought were starting to look slightly better. But I do think not having uh, Travis Sanheim and a Justin Braun is actually, you know, I hate to even compare, but is um, a lot more damaging than just missing Claude Giroux, let's say, even though G's the captain, the Flyers' decor has had some issues. Um, and so to have to shuffle all of that around again would have been less than ideal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see how a 10-day layoff – you know what, last year after the All-Star break was the best they played, and that was, you know, about a week-long layoff. So That was nine days, Taryn, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it'll be exactly the kick in the butt that they need. Um, but I'm interested to see, I mean, I, I, I will be interested to see how this goes because you have the guys who are pro COVID protocol who were forced to quarantine down in DC. And I'd imagine they can't do anything outside of their hotel room. So they don't even have their big giant apartments to like run around in circles. in. they're, they're in a probably at the four seasons in DC would be my guess. And they're just sitting there, um, doing whatever they can in a hotel room, which is not skating and playing and practicing I don't know it'll be it'll be interesting I mean the Rangers aren't exactly the strongest team in the east so there's there's that hopefully that they can look good against the Rangers but 
I, I'm, I kind of would have loved to see how they responded in that second Caps game. I know Joe and I had planned the whole, the whole show for, uh, for Tuesday night. It, I was, like, finishing it up, and Joe called me and goes, hey, there's not going to be a game tonight. And I was like, oh, come on. And the show was kind of exciting because it was like, what, are, what, what version of this Flyers team are we going to see tonight? Because they start to – it's like they're chipping away at the rust on the outside of their game, and we're starting to see little little pieces shine through. So I would have been interested to see what they could have done, but I guess we'll, we'll find out next Thursday, a week from now, which is wild. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Taryn, I'm with you. I think uh, I, was, I was eager to see Tuesday's game as well. They're coming off a season-high seven goals. Sean Couturier's back. It, it seemed as, as lopsided as that game was in terms of shots and the Flyers obviously facing a lot, I thought they looked very good, and I thought they were very opportunistic, and I loved seeing Sean Couturier's presence back out there. I was really eager to see them in that Tuesday game, but now we will wait. Joe Fordays, what do you think about this layoff? Can it be good? Is it troublesome? What, what's your take on it? Here's what concerns me about the layoff. The, the, the practice facility is not open. So right. what are these guys going to do? What are they allowed to do, if anything, to, you know, keep themselves in game shape? I mean, we're not talking about two days. We're talking about uh, what it'll be. By the time they play next, it'll be, 10 days since their last game or 11. I mean, that's not a, that's not a short amount of time. So that concern, that would concern me that that's the part that I I think is going to be real interesting because you have a team where, and all the teams in the NHL really had to play themselves into shape because there wasn't a training camp. And now are they going to have to have another period where they play themselves back into shape again? And, you know, that, that's concerning. Um, now, there's other teams that have to do it too, though. So it's not, it's not like pretend this is happening in a vacuum. So other teams have to deal with it. The problem is the teams they're playing don't, haven't had to deal with it. The Rangers just played last night. They played the Bruins. So their next opponents, Rangers, Bruins, those are teams that are playing as of right now. So, um, you know. It remains to be seen, but that the thing that concerns me most is that practice facility not being open until next Monday. Yeah, it, it truly will be a test of mental fortitude and physical fortitude. And, and you know, we can bring up past past breaks, but this one is truly unique and different. Like you said, Joe, the practice facility is shut down until until next Monday. Um, so it's really going to be up to guys to kind of stay in shape, stay mentally fit, physically fit. Um, and you really even worry about the guys that are on COVID pro- protocol doesn't necessarily mean they tested positive. We truly don't know, but 
They are on COVID protocol. And like Terry said, they're in a pretty tough situation in terms of what they can do. Um, but you, you do look back and you think the Flyers are probably getting used to this. Weirdly, they're getting used to awkward stoppages, uh, the unknown. Um, with the All-Star break in the bye week last year, they went nine days without a game. Then they went 14-4-1 the rest of the way. They stormed down the stretch. So they were really good after a, after a big break like that. And then with the, with the stoppage, uh, they went 140-plus days until that round-robin game, from the stoppage until that round-robin opener. So they're weirdly getting used to this. Uh, but it will be a true test for the Flyers and just, just another hurdle, uh, it seems like, for this team. Uh, Taryn, one guy I think that not a lot of people are worrying about right now these days uh, is James Van Riemsdyk one of the hottest players in the NHL. Um, is he a guy the Flyers can, can, can kind of rely on during this time? He's obviously their, their uh, Players Association rep. He's a veteran. He's been around it. Um, I think he's a guy they can rely on, and I think he's a guy they're going to need uh, when this season uh, resumes on Thursday, next Thursday against the Rangers. Yeah, I think um, everybody likes to give James a little flack because he's um... – he basically, like, he, he treats his body like it's, you know, like a, a beautiful muscle car that he's constantly tinkering with to make sure that it's in the best condition possible. I mean, he does every single thing you can do in order to be prepared, whether it's, like, working out or certain stretches or talking to different physical therapists or acupuncture or whatever. He's doing it every single day of his life. Like I would, I would absolutely be so curious to know yearly what he spends on just body maintenance outside of touching skates. Cause it's, I'm sure it's, it's an insane amount of work that he puts into it. Yeah. Um, but I think in, Terrence, I, I asked him the other day, I'm like, can you kind of go into the rest and recovery thing that you've really gotten into and he was like, I don't know if I have enough time to tell you all that I do. So that tells you how much he's into it, too. Yeah. 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 And if you, if you remember, too, in, 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 uh, in the office last week, Scott Hartnell was talking about how he's always, he's always doing something to make himself better. And Brian Boucher, years ago, when Brian Boucher worked on our Flyers pre- and post-game show, he told me the same thing about JVR. And he was his teammate a decade, pretty much a decade earlier. So – his whole career, it's clear that this is he's always been doing something to make sure he is in prime shape to go out and play games. Yeah, and, it's, and I think this year we've seen that benefit him, right? Because a lot of people, it seems like the issue has been with a lot of people is that some of the sharpness isn't there, right? Some of the, um, you know, like – I can only re relate it to my experience in soccer. If you worked out all off season, but you didn't touch a soccer ball, your foot skills, like take a minute to come back. Just like in hockey, like his hands look so good. His hands are so quick. He's got so much body control this year. Um, in a way that we've seen him, like I always will go back to, he poke checked someone and turned it into an assist. And I, and I think you could see on the replay him realize, oh, I'm not trying to just get a takeaway here. I, I, there's an availability for, I think it was Joel Farabee to score a goal here. And he kind of pushed a poke check midair to Joel Farabee for an assist. And that's something that it, it's, it's a sharpness thing. It's a mental sharpness thing. It's a body sharpness thing. It's a being in tune thing that I think a lot of guys are struggling with because quite frankly, their off season looked very, very different. And, you know, I talked to Travis Konechny about it. Um, in the preseason. And he said, you know, even the way he prefers to train, he tried to do as much as possible, but 
the restrictions where he was at, I believe he was in Ontario, were a little bit different, which makes sense because Toronto's in Ontario. So I wonder if the province itself has different restrictions. I don't honestly know how it works in Canada, but, um, you know, everybody's got different things. JVR having like every little tweak and tinker that he can play with, I think has really helped him this year. And even if it's just a placebo effect, like who even cares at this point, like just keep running with it. But Scott also said, um, you know, when we were having that conversation, Joe Scott and I, something that interested me was he said, yeah, he's always been that way. But then in Toronto, they're real big on that. They're real big on, you know, incorporating Eastern medicine and, you know, mental coaches and this thing and that thing and whatever. So you're not just getting like, one of those pressurized therapy guns beating the crap out of your hamstring, they'll, they'll like have somebody come in and do acupuncture on you. And if you respond better to that, that's what you keep doing. And it seems like at least right now, JVR has figured out what cocktail of rest and recovery works for him. Um, but yeah, he just looks out of his, like he's just playing out of his skates uh, and it's everything. It's the effort it's creating, it's finishing, it's everything. And <clears throat> You know, I think one of the things with JVR that was always interesting is that when he was not, like when he was on one of his off streaks, not scoring goals, is people would kind of just pile on about him, you know, not moving his skates or not being in the right place or this, that, and the next thing. All of a sudden, he's always in the right place, defensively, in the neutral zone, offensively, and it's it's, it starts with effort, and it's permeated to every single part of his game which is nice to see out of a 31 year old I mean JVR is playing like he's 25 and he's I think he's been in the league for over over a decade and we're seeing him grow his game this year it's it's really um refreshing to see and the Flyers need it so it comes at the right time <laughs> it does and, and maybe he's a guy that you know the Flyers can rely on you know via text messages or calls in terms of just Staying, you know, staying ready and, and keeping the body fresh during this time because uh, the guy obviously really enjoys it. He said he's done it early in his career. He got really into it and really knows, like you said, Taryn, the, the ability to stay ready and the little things that go into it. Um, and, and it's funny, we forget, and I know I forget sometimes, that a lot of players have their career years in like their early 30s sometimes. And you really forget that when a player like JVR has early success in his career. He had 36 goals with the Maple Leafs in one season before he signed with Philly. Uh, he came into the league at an early age. Uh, but, yeah, you really forget that guys can sometimes break out in their early 30s. And good for JVR uh, for breaking out early this season. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. I want to stay on this topic a little bit. I want to ask both you guys. I'll start with Joe. We've talked a lot about Scott Hartnell. 
I'm truly jealous that you guys are around him for pre and post game shows. He, he must be a, a treat to be around. Joe, what's been probably something the most enlightening uh, working with Scott Hartnell, something that you've really enjoyed so far being around him close? Well, I think kind of what Taryn and I just talked about, you get like little, just little tidbits and insights on certain players' tendencies because so many of these guys in the league, not only just with the Flyers, but, uh, you know, that what certain guys do and how certain guys are. And, you know, just in, in random conversation the other night, I asked him um, what, who, what player that you played with had the best hands. And without, a, without even hesitating, he said, Philip Forsberg. That's not the answer I was expecting. Yeah. But when I, you know, I remember that now. And it's something that sticks with me. And it's, you know, you kind of get the perspective of guys that are on the ice. Players see things a lot better or a lot different than fans or people like us that work in the business and are watching games all the time. You know, we're not on the ice, so you can watch as much video as you want, but you're not going to get the perspective of a player like that. So I think that's been a, a great thing. And just, you know, of course you get stories about um, uh, one time I took a slap shot from Shea Weber and it broke my foot and uh, who were the toughest guys to play against and those kind of things. I, I mean, I could sit for hours and hours and just talk about stuff like that. And I wouldn't be bored for a second. Yeah, Taryn, how about you? Uh, any any fun things that he has said? Any players that he said he, he couldn't stand to play against? I'm anxious to hear that. Oh, no. I mean, I think Scott is so um, – and Joe can attest to this. He's still pretty, like, playful when he talks about his NHL days. So, you know, it's it's very rare that you'll get him in a conversation where he'll be like, that guy's the worst or this, that, or the next thing. But even talking about, I love to ask guys who played, especially who played against um, like uh, Crosby and Ovechkin as they came into the league and as they've, you know, hit their prime. And um, so I've asked him about that, like I think three or four times. And it's the same thing that every, everybody else says. It's just like Crosby is just unbelievably skilled and Ovechkin is just like a natural disaster that tears through your town. So um, <laughs> that's always fun. The thing that's really interesting about Scott, and I did get this a little bit when I would travel with the team, because, you you know, like, we're all, when we're going from one city to the next city after a game, if you're, if it's like me and my producer and a bunch of the players in an elevator and they're getting off at their floor and then we're getting off at our floor, you'll either overhear them talking about something or sometimes you can just point blank ask them about something. Um and they'll give you like a, a more unfiltered version of what you're asking about. So, um, Scott, as you're watching a game, will kind of narrate what would have been going through his his head as a player if his teammate did something. So I forget what game we were even watching. I think it might have been the Devils game, and we were watching Subban just like flounder, and. And he would point out, he'd be like, you see that right there? That would have, that would have pissed me off as his teammate. Cause you know, because he's taken, he's ripping a shot right off the goalie's pads and then not getting back. And then now I have to check back with the other defense, you know, and it's just irresponsible play. Cause he's frustrated, something like that. And you can ask players about it post game, but if you're in a scrum and you're on camera, they'll say, I don't know. I have to look at the film again. And if I would catch them, you know, in the hotel or let's say like a bunch of us were sharing an Uber to go to a game, they'll give me a version of it, but it's, 
you know, it's, it's very much so, especially when they're talking about their own teammates, like they're very protective as they should be. But when you have a Scott who a can speak in very simple terms and B he's there all game and he just unintentionally like blurts it out, (laughs) it helps you understand why, you know, you look at some teams and you look at certain plays and you're like, oh my God, the body language on this or that or the next thing. And Scott could be like, yeah, well, because did you see like, you know, two minutes ago when this happened and we, like Joe said, we, we watch a ton of it, but a lot of times when we're watching games, to be honest with you, we're enjoying the hockey game and we're also trying to figure out all right, what can we pull to talk about an intermission? Because sometimes stuff happens in the last three minutes of the period and Scott and I are already heading downstairs. And now all of a sudden Joe's in my ear and it's like, hey, so that PK was terrible. So we're going to do it in the second segment. And then I'm, you know, frantically jotting down notes about the Flyers PK that night. And Joe's trying to make sure all the elements are prepared. And Scott's really the only one who can sit there and dissect what is happening. Um, because that's just television production, but that's where having a Scott or even an Al Morganti is invaluable because they do like Al or Scott sees it. So he sees it as if he was on the ice with the guys playing. And I've never experienced that. Joe's never experienced that at the NHL level. Jordan, you've never experienced that at the NHL level. So it's just, it's a perspective that's so, so priceless. And Jordan from the, uh, from the files of the show that would have been the other night that Darren referred to earlier, we had a discussion in there planned about what it was like to play for Peter Laviolette um, uh, yeah. because he did it in two different places. So yeah, that's right. at all. And you know, with him being the coach of the devils now, so he, we had that discussion Caps, planned. Caps. Caps, you said I'm devils. sorry. Caps. Yes. <laughs> I said devils. Yes. Um, but we had that discussion planned because I know the first time I worked with Scott was a couple seasons ago. And the fir- some of the first things I asked him were about Laviolette and Tortorella, having played for both of them. You know, two of the more kind of, uh, I guess you would say, sparkless coaches. You know, um, Tortorella obviously is, is the number one. And, you know, he had mentioned we, we – briefly talked about the trade with Pierre-Luc Dubois and, um, and Patrick Laine. And, you know, Scott mentioned something to the case, something to the fact that like, Tortorella just doesn't care who you are. Yeah. If you act a certain way, you'll get benched. And it doesn't matter if your name is Patrick Laine or a guy who, you know, is in and out of the lineup and, as a fourth liner, they'll be treated the same. And, you know, it, those kind of perspectives about coaches – that we always see in the limelight to me, that kind of stuff is priceless. Yeah. What did yeah. you guys think? Speaking of torts really quick, what did you guys think about the, uh, the rumor that, that torts pulled the reverse Uno card and sat line a in an effort for him himself to get out of Columbus. Did you guys see that? <laughs> no, there, I, I there did was, see a little bit about it. Yes. There was, um, I forget who reported it. Oh, no, I wish I could give credit. But it was like an insider report that part of Tortorella deciding to sit line A, um, what, he sat him through a chunk of the second period and entirety of the third period the other night was, in fact, because Tortorella himself would like out of Columbus. And it just went all over hockey Twitter. And it was like, look at Tortorella pulling the ultimate 
Uno reverse card. <laughs> it was That's hilarious. Yeah, I did see it. I don't know that I necessarily buy it because the benching of a, of a big time player is not something that, that that that's foreign to him. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, we saw it a few years ago that when they had Ryan Johansson. Uh, I think it was his second year in the league, and he didn't give effort. I think he benched him, and then he got rid of him. Yeah, like they just got rid of him, and then he's been on. I don't know how many teams since, but you know, at that point, getting rid of Ryan Johansson, it was like, what, what is Tortorella doing? He just doesn't put up with crap. And it, again, it doesn't matter what your name is. He just doesn't put up with it. And I think Peter Laviolette is a similar guy, maybe not to the extreme of, uh, of Tortorella because from what I've heard and you know, this is from several different people over the years, and obviously he was with the Flyers a while, is that Laviolette's the kind of guy that, like, wears on players, and you get the best of the team that Laviolette's with in the first few years, and then he wears on players. It seems like Tortorella, it's like right away. If you're on this bad side, and it happens the first period of a game that he's coaching you, then he immediately, in some cases, immediately just checks out on you and you know both are interesting styles but I just love hearing insights from guys that have played especially a guy like Scott who's played for both of them in multiple locations yeah and Scott Scott interestingly enough like I I remember when we were talking to him about Tortorella the other day was it was because the thing the thing you always want to know is as a player did you like did you like that style of authoritativeness you know, we always talk about AV being an authority, but he's, he kind of plays chess with it, right? Like, he could have sat Claude Drew or Kevin Hayes the night he sat Travis Konechny. There was some chess to the fact that he was sitting Travis, as well as the fact that they were playing the Islanders and Travis is a small body and they could throw in a Sam Rand who was a big body, right? It was against the Islanders. And the, I think there was some tactical, like, he was playing Battleship a little bit there as a coach. Tortorella, I think, like, his blood runs hot. And, it, and, it, and he responds in a way where it's like, just so you know, I'm the bench boss. You're Patrick Line. I'm still your coach. I don't really care. And so when you would talk to Scott about that kind of stuff, because this was when the trade had just happened, so Line wasn't sat yet. We were just talking about the Pierre-Luc Dubois saga and how Line would respond there because clearly Line is not really a shrinking violet either. And I mean, Scott's like a, he's, he's a fun guy, but Scott's not really a shrinking violet either. And Scott said he really liked playing for torts, but I think Scott was also like, he was in a part of his career where I think he appreciated people holding other people accountable. Like he was a mature player by the time he got to John Tortorella and that was a, a part of it, but it is, I mean, it, like that kind of perspective from Scott is invaluable because then you look at, like you look at a line who was in Winnipeg and wasn't really happy there for a long time and has gotten someplace new and probably feels like he deserves more than he's gotten out of his squeeze out of his NHL career thus far. And it makes it make a lot more sense why John Tortorella was like, shut up and sit on the bench. You know, it, it just puts it all in perspective. Yeah. And if you, I think if you look at the similarities, you know, Paul Maurice in Winnipeg is, not maybe not as hot-headed but he's the same kind of coach like 
he coaches guys hard. And then when it, when it comes down to it, he'll always have his players back. He had a thing with the media last week when they, the media up there was getting all over Blake Wheeler because his point, his point totals were down. And he went crazy on the media about that. Um, talking about how he's a captain and he's one of the most important guys in the city and all these different things. And I feel like Tortorella is the same kind of guy. So if you're on his good side, you love a coach that's going to will go to bat for you always, whether it be with the media, with other players, he's always going to go to bat for you. And I think that's where guys, maybe when they're younger, they don't appreciate that kind of coach. And then as they get more advanced in their career, those are the guys they remember and the guys that, you know, they realize helped them so far along the way because they, they knew that coach was going to have their back as long as they played hard. It's like having a strict parent. When you're a kid, yeah. you just think your parent exactly. sucks. And then when you grow up and you realize that they helped you achieve everything you achieved, you're like, thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was doing it because I cared. <laughs> I think Elaine Vigneault said that the other day with TK. Um, yeah. About how, you know, it's like, a, it's like a father and mother. They do it because they care. Um, well, I can't wait to see Scott Hartnell and you guys back on pre and post game live. We're in a mini break here, but let's hope everyone gets through it safely. Uh, obviously, all the folks at the Flyers, hopefully everything is safe there. Um, and we'll have Flyers hockey back soon. But Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much as always. Great chatting. Cannot wait to see you on pre and post game live. Joe Fordyce, thanks so much, as always, for joining us. Cannot wait to see your shows. A special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.